Announcement. The revolution will not be televised. I repeat, the hemp revolution will not be televised. Welcome to the Hemp Revolution Podcast, the global hotspot for the buzz and the cannabis. Hear the secrets of the green rush from the dreamers who are writing the rules, innovating business, and changing history forever. Immerse yourself with the fascinating stories from the leaders in the hemp health revolution to learn how we are changing the game. Now here's your hosts, James Brinkerhoff and Sonia Gomez. What's up, guys? Sonia Gomez coming back with another amazing episode of the Hemp Revolution podcast, where we are sharing and telling the real story of the entrepreneurs pushing the cannabis and hemp industry forward and making it possible for people like you to have safe and legal access to the highest quality product that is available on the marketplace. Guys, we had an interview a couple weeks back where we were talking to a badass woman entrepreneur who is rocking the um, Palm Desert with her cannabis company out there. And I'm super excited to welcome this woman back on because we were having just such incredible conversation. I wanted to make sure to just get more of the details around her story and the things that um, you know, drove her to participate in the cannabis industry as a total newbie. And I think a lot of what we were discussing before was how challenging it is with the stigma or belief system that somebody has to be a cannabis consumer to be a cannabis business owner. And it's just not the case. There are incredible women who are doing incredible things, who have incredible stories and a bigger mission to participate in this movement so that they can see positive change in their families, in their future, but more importantly, in the communities that they are a part of. So my guest today, who is originally from San Bernardino, California, um, was a community manager for over a decade until the untimely end of her sister Leticia's battle against lupus back in 2014. This sort of triggered um, her passion for the industry and self-educating and self-empowering um, her her own self so that she could, in fact, bring some solutions to the underserved marketplaces of folks who were suffering um, from debilitating conditions um, and trying to understand how they could use natural alternatives like cannabis and hemp uh, to transform the way that they are feeling and functioning. So my guest, guys, put your hands together while we continue our incredible conversation. Put your hands together and help welcome my girl, Kiva King. What's going on, girlfriend? Hey, nice intro. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm glad you had me back. Yeah, I'm so happy to have you back. In our last conversation, we were able to cover a lot of ground talking about the trials and tribulations of owning a business, what some of the stigmas are um, for, you know, consumers versus non-consumers owning businesses, and some of the things that you've been able to accomplish in your own company. Um, For folks who are just hearing and being introduced to you for the first time, why don't you quick and dirty tell us a little bit about your story and and your background how and how you got involved in the boom in the first place. Okay, so I've been in the cannabis industry hands-on for 10 plus years. Um, Like you said before, I've been in property management. But my side hustle was always cannabis, so to speak. So I've been in the industry was 
self distro in prop two fifteen days. Um, but I always wanted to get a storefront for the medicinal side of it. Um, growing up in high school, you know, it was always like that go to for sleep or just fun, just to hang out to have a good time. Um, I never was a cannabis user myself. Uh, I've always been known as the just the go to self proclaimed person that don't need to drink nor smoke. Uh, so fortunately for me, I was able to look at the scientific approach of it for a lot of different reasons. Um, so I started, what, 10 years ago, just started seeing the different effects they had on my friends, giving it out for free uh, to different people. And I was like seeing the different things that it did for different people. With me, I have zero tolerance for a lot of stuff. I'm very low tolerance, even when it comes to alcohol, like a wine cooler has me super gone. So I knew me, myself, I wouldn't be a good candidate to give reviews. So I used a lot of people as muses. Um, it was very scary, um, me being a minority. Uh, a lot of my fellow friends have got in trouble for it. You know, a lot of time, I'm not talking just regular police time, I'm talking about bed time for something that now is legal and they're still in jail for it. So it was kind of scary for me to pursue it. I put it on a back burner and continued to do a job that I had no passion for. Well, once my sister passed away, that was me to myself, like, okay, either you do it now or never, or just be scared and have it fail. So I was able to get a delivery service. I had a delivery service unlicensed for maybe a year. And then I ended up getting a licensed delivery service. Um, and the change that it made for a lot of people, the clientele that I didn't expect that would consume was my clients, was my patients. And they became family and friends. To me, real close, although we wasn't really family, but we came, became family because I used them to study the different effects that it had on them. And I fell in love with it. So it was either quit my job and go full time or work both of something I didn't have a passion for. So I was like, you know what? I got to quit. I ended up getting fired, actually, because I had cannabis <laughs> uh, in my purse. And one of my coworkers was being sneaky and took a picture of a Kiva candy bar I had in my purse. And like showed it to the uppers. And they were like, oh, you have a uh, weed hater. as your job site. Super haters. That's what it was. I was like, I was so motivated by that. I was like, there's no turning back now. So, Girl, yeah. I would have been motivated to roll some heads. You just started a business. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. I always want to do that too. But I was like, you know what? I'm going to kill them with success. All the naysayers, you know, the haters. And it ended up rolling out to my favorite. It, it didn't happen overnight. It did take a couple of years. But hey, it happened. And it's like, you know, thank you hater you know what i'm saying i can't wait to see her to this day too like you still doing the same thing huh girl thanks for that picture <laughs> that is so crazy to me. I, I cannot you know what you hating ass bitches no <laughs> no it was it was crazy i'm like literally and she held on to that picture for maybe six months because it was just that intimidating like you know I, she was with the company maybe like five years before i came on so the fact that I was able to come in, slam the position, kill it with numbers, she was intimidated by me. So my supervisor, you know, I would see directly with them. So they knew what I was into, knew what I was doing. You know, with that company, they tested you. Like, they even went so far to ask for hair samples. So, again, I'm going to pass because I didn't smoke, right? So when she found the candy bar in my purse, like, you had no business going through my stuff. Anyway, she took a picture of it, held on it for six months. And then use that against me, like, oh, she's using on whatever lies she said. But I'm like, hey, I'm not going to explain myself or beg for this job. It is what it is. This is what I do. You're able to look it up, you know, online. I got a delivery service. So if this is the reason you're going to use to let me go, 
by all means. Man, well, that there's nothing like having, you know, a um, direct family story and a hater to fuel one's need for success. <laughs> yes, <laughs> like, you're you're like Lord Jesus done took my done took my sister, and now this bitch turn this into a um Beyonce's story like where we had Destiny's child and now we're Beyonce and everyone on Destiny's child is crying about it. Um <laughs> Yeah, it didn't work out right. I'm glad she did that because that if I would have still been comfortable with the job, I wouldn't have left, you know? I think yeah. it would have been so far for you to pursue it hundred percent. Yeah, I mean God is always putting things in play you know James talking to me about this the other day he was just like you know because we had a couple of shitty things happen where you're just like you know family fucking you over and um making you feel like one thing is true when they're actually doing something else and it, and unfortunately greed does not know any boundaries it's just like at all you know it's it's all over the place so we had this incident the other day and he was just like you know um I got, I got my fuck it shirt on, you know, like, like forget it. <laughs> God has something for me. So fuck it. Let these yeah. guys do what they're going to do. And to keep that faith when you're confronted with so many of the trials and tribulations to keep that faith is so challenging. Probably, I mean, separate from like the technological things that you're up against as a business owner in this space or a period, like banking and you know marketing and building a team and all of the things that we talked about in our previous interview which by the way if mm-hmm. you not see go ahead and check out this link here um that's listed around for our last interview but separate from all of those things you're confronted with greed and it comes from every single angle so how do every you- angle how do you as a business owner, and certainly you're a minority-owned business, not only are you a woman business owner in the cannabis space, but you're a black woman business owner in this in this space, which is like finding a unicorn in a field full of horses, right? So yeah. why don't you talk to me a little bit about what it is for you? Like, what does it mean for you? What do you feel like you're representing as one of the few women-owned cannabis companies, but also African-American-owned women businesses? For me, it's even harder because it's like now you have a lot to prove, not only as a woman, but as a Black woman in this industry. How do you be successful and not get ate out by all the corporate Americans that have came in and they're basically monopolizing in this industry, you know? So it's hard when you have different people attacking you at different angles, like you said. Um you, you hire family, so you trust them, but then you also try to hire friends who you would trust too, but nine times out of 10, that's normally your demise. So I have people at all different angles coming at, stealing, you know, being manipulative, trying to downfall. I have competitors that, you know, they go on, they leave nasty reviews to try to take you out, to ruin a reputation. So it's hard. It's like you have so many different people looking at you more under a microscope, trying to say, okay, I don't, I don't think you can be successful at this. You need me, you know, to be successful. So it's like, I have so much to prove to so many people. Not only that, I have a lot of people like my right hand is my sister. So I took her from her corporate job, brought her here. So it's like, I have to succeed. I don't ever in life want to be able to work for someone else, you know? So all that on your shoulders, it's a heavy weight. Man, you're not kidding. I feel like before the before the hour of 9 a.m., I'm like, 
confronted with 56 challenges with from four kids and I have to troubleshoot all of those things before putting on my stilettos and lipstick to come into my office you know like it's Uh it's the the weight that we bear um and and I'm not saying that dads aren't separate from this but you you know men have their own set of challenges and right now I'm talking about us ladies so um you know, it's, it's a different weight that we have to bear and a different kind, like nobody cares on, on, you know, Thursday morning when I get up at seven o'clock that I was up until four with my two-year-old who decided mm-hmm. that sleeping was for guppies and wanted to stay up all night. <laughs> you know, like, nobody yeah. cares. Nobody cares. Oh, they, expect at all. Me, they expect me to show up ripe and ready with problems and solutions solved, you know, problems solved and yeah. solutions on deck at nine o'clock when I walk into my office. So it's really super tough. And it's even tougher when you're like in the financial world. We were just talking about this with another um, Canadian owned business, which happens to also be owned by a woman who's fabulous, by the way. But she's. Um, oh, nice. She was like, she was telling me like, you know, when it comes to capital raise and when it comes to business planning and having those more like, um, quote unquote, high level conversations, whether or not the plan comes from me, I I always send my, my male counterpart or business partner in because I am 60% less likely to get the investment that I'm asking for because I'm a woman. Mm -hmm. Yep. And I know that I know that in order for for businesses to grow right now, the conversation around capital is such a big conversation because you want to expand, you want to grow, but having access yeah. to cash flow to be able to do it is really really hard. What would it mean for your business, you know, to not get the an investment when you're looking for it? It could be detrimental, especially at this point. You know, um, when I started, I came in with a small amount of funds, you know, that was maximized upon opening. So while I opened on God's face and made it happen after it was open with zero money, you know, so everything, everything that we had went into construction at opening. And literally we have been tight since we opened, you know, just every day making money, trying to stay alive. Like, so it's the, any little bit of profit that has came in has went back into overhead. So it, at this point, is like very detrimental that I'm able to get capitalization, not only to just expand, but to be able to stay above, you know, the taxes. As much as times that we have talked about how the uh, taxes are impacting our business, the state has continued to still raise those taxes with not the papa, mom and pop funded funding in mind. It's more going to the capitalized companies such as like Medmen, big companies like that are who are able to go private sectors and raise capital for it, you know, and a lot of the companies are looking for people to invest in who have multiple locations, who are huge companies. They're not looking to help fund small one store shop uh, entities. And that's very, very hard. Or they're saying, hey, you haven't been open long enough for us to be able to look at your projections to see what you can grow before we can, we need you to be open at least a year before we can even think about offering you that. 
Well, I think one of the one of the big things that I'm recognizing in brands right now is this um, is this theme towards content and education. And I know that that's something that you've built into your brand from the very beginning. You've you mm-hmm. really highlighted the fact that you like both your community and clients and your team mm-hmm. members to feel like family, and you really boost the culture of your of your company um, with that type of mentality that knowing that everyone's going to be well taken care of and wanting to stay with you long term. Um, what are some of the things that you're doing in the background and some of the people that you're enrolling to support you in your vision to be a hub for education and connection when it comes to the community? I know that you have a couple of incredible you know, contractors and team members who are helping you get the brand exposure that might attract the type of investor who can help you expand um, and, and can and um, develop your your dream of owning a bigger cannabis company. What are some of the things that you guys are doing right now to become known and recognized uh, for for your excellence? Uh, so right now, what we're working on is getting in contact with uh, this program that helps for kids. Uh, I partner with a group in Palm Desert who I will remain nameless. So what they do for the kids is they actually bring in, it's like a big brother program. So it's a youth, it's the only uh, place out here for youth that also offer it for minorities um, who don't have a father figure. Um, My son was actually a part of this program when he was 13. They would pick him up from school, take him to a lot of different events, um, keep him like educated and motivated to want to become something when they see they're going down a different path. So what we do, what we're doing is to provide funding for that so that that program is continued and be able to grow. It's a lot of male youth who become troubled because they don't have that father figure that was in their life. Um, unfortunately, it's so small in this community. The, um, I guess you would say like the ethnicity group is not that large out here. So the program isn't as big as it should be. So we're reaching out towards cities that I grew up in, which is San Bernardino, the Inland Empire, to actually partner with them. Um, I have a real good friend of mine who actually brought in his, his home is also known as the uh, safe home. So what he do is he take in kids whose parents are out in the streets that have left them or abandoned them, take them into his home and actually give them like a place to stay and to put them, keep them in sports, to keep them out- occupied so they're not in trouble with the youth. So my main focus is to be able to take any profit and fund it into the youth program because the youth are actually looking at us for the future and for them to be great, you know, let them know that they can, they don't have to be looked at as just sportsmen. You know, a lot of people look at, if you see a tall black man, Oh, you play basketball or, Oh, are you on a football team? No, we're more than just sports. You know, we are your young entrepreneurs. You know, we, we can be your president. So it's, it's, it's very huge for me, me being a single mother of having two young black, boys that they do not become the next statistic or have to worry about being scared of the police or being pulled over or being the next victim. Man, you, I'm going to just need you to continue to preach on this because I was arrested in my state, which was California, as a registered Mm -hmm. patient. My rights were violated. It was this huge thing that could have absolutely ruined my life. And because of foundations like that, I was able to successfully complete my program and have my record wiped clean um, because it built in community advocates. And the source of the advocate was not as important as the advocate 
advocate themselves and the volume of people who are willing to stand up and say these kids deserve a chance, right? And so right, right. I think that that's so, I love how you're talking about the social um, contribution that you are making to your community because I think that that's, I always ask companies like, you know, oh, that's so great that you're doing what you're doing for the community, quote unquote. However, when I ask you the question, what are you doing for your community? There's no answer. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, well, we offer 30%. <laughs> I'm like, no, not your promotion, <laughs> asshole. What's your, how are you giving back to your community? Right. So, so that, that stuff cracks me up sometimes. And I, I think that, you know, now more than ever, people are starting to think about like, oh, perhaps I should consider how my community is reflecting my success as a business owner. You know, I think that's one of the most important things I think that cannabis and hemp could or should be doing better is making sure that our communities are a reflection of the success that this industry is bringing, um, no matter. I mean, me too. Like, hemp down my my most pet peeve is for a person to do something and record it or do something and talk about it for publicity that's why i didn't name the organization that i'm partner with because it's like if you're doing something off the kindness of your heart why do you have to brag about it why do you have to do it on camera how would you feel at the lowest point of your life if it was recorded when somebody did something to help you out yeah yeah i totally it's like over you know, somebody else's, somebody else's failures, another person's success. I don't think it has to be like that. I think it needs to be, right. you know, um, it's silent, but deadly. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> that, yeah. that kind no, seriously, of, seriously. Yeah, yeah, no, but seriously, like, you know, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of pride, you know, that, that people, people, it's like the seven deadly sin, right? You come in like trying to, trying to agitate your pride and eat and feed your ego while you mm-hmm. could be just doing something out of the kindness of your heart. And because it's God's will for us to help thy neighbor, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. that's, that's what I think is missing for sure. What's coming for you in 2020? What are the things that we have to look forward to and celebrate um, for you and your business in 2020? Well, I want to make a breakthrough for with this Lupus Awareness uh, Foundation. When we first started, you know, my, like I said, my sister back with the lupus. So I wanted to give back. Not everybody is educated or know what lupus is or who has it. Or you look at a person and be like, oh, you don't look sick, so you don't have it. I wanted to actually get in contact and be able to make a breakthrough with the organization of Lupus, the foundation, which is in Los Angeles. Um, it kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Like a good foundation that I was sent by 100% told me that they did not want any proceeds that we have contributed to them because they don't want anything to do with cannabis. So it's like, it sucks because cannabis still gets a real bad stigma, but yet an opioid that's known for addiction, that's known as actual has fatalities behind it, you open, you open them with welcoming arms, like that sucks. So if I can make a breakthrough to the Lupus Foundation of Los Angeles to be able to partner with a cannabis industry, I think that would be like revolution. And it sucks that they do not want no parts of it, like volunteering, donations, nothing. And it's like, hey, my sister suffered from this. And if I can financially support you guys to help somebody else's family that don't have to go through this, why wouldn't you accept it? Because it's cannabis money? I mean, you act like I'm giving you cocaine money. <laughs> crazy. I know it's nuts. We had something really similar. This was sort of the straw that broke the camel's back for me too. When I, when it came to like my brick and mortar business, um, uh-huh. we, 
we had started a campaign called the cans for cones and around Christmas time from like, um, from like Thanksgiving or just before Thanksgiving, first of November to the end of December, um, uh, or December 20th, we started a cans for cones campaign where people had to bring in, um, 10 cans of food and, or dry goods um, they had to bring in 10 and then we would give them a one gram, um, joint, a cone. Uh-huh. And we raised like 15,000 pounds of food and tried to call one of the Christian organizations that were feeding the homeless people. And we were mentioned uh-huh. on like Jimmy Kimmel live, the late show, oh, like wow. all of these different shows picked us up and were making fun of us because they were like, usually stoners want to eat all the food. Well, these stoners are giving away food so they can get more weed. <laughs> And it yeah. was like so yeah. funny. We were mentioning on the comedy shows. Well, we called the these organizations who made the biggest impact in our community feeding the homeless, mm-hmm. and they wouldn't accept mm-hmm. our food. What? Okay, so we just did one for Thanksgiving. Uh, uh, so we had it was like a church, and then they told they actually told us. So what we did here was we did uh, it was thirty two turkeys and like canvas. So everybody everybody who brought in donations, we matched their donation dollar for dollar. So anyways, we were able to do, I think, like 700 pounds of turkey and, I don't know, maybe 300 canned foods. So the church originally that we had had someone reach out to to tell them, they said, they said, because we had so much stuff, it was too much work on their end and they didn't want nothing to do with it. Crazy. So anyways, my son's school ended up accepting the food. They had people from different areas able to line up and get it. So needless to say, we were able to feed 42 families this year with the food that we donated but yeah the fact of the laziness that goes into people it's besides me like selfish like that's crazy that's too it's too much for me it's it's one of the definitely one of the things that have to be that have to be fixed and I think it's going to take a woman's touch not to be like you know cliche or whatever but I really do think that it's going to take a group of incredible women coming together and Mm -hmm. sort of standardizing how we think about the contributions that our companies are making I would love to hear from you Kiva what are what are some of the words of wisdom that you can share knowing what the trials and tribulations are knowing how passionate you are about making a change in your community what are some words of wisdom that you could offer for um you know business owners or budding entrepreneurs trying to get into this space and and figuring out where they fit in what are some words of wisdom that you can share with them to you know quickly bypass some of the challenges or to have the faith and courage that it requires to continue on when it seems like there's nothing but roadblocks I would say if this is your passion and something you actually want to do, go full force, do your own research. Do not rely on anybody. I mean, anybody. It's so many different people out there who's willing to take your money for something that you can do yourself and overcharge. I mean, all you're going to have to do if that's your passion, set aside, do your research, do your research, find out what city, get involved, unless you must attend every city council meeting so you can know the own laws and regulations on your own. Do not accept anyone as a business partner. It's people who are going in with a different thing behind their back. They can actually take your company from you if you don't set your corporation up correctly or if you allow somebody more percentage of your own company. Make sure who you're going into business with is somebody you can absolutely wholeheartedly trust. This is a doggy dog world, and it's a lot, a lot of people who are straight culture vultures. So from firsthand, Please, please do your research. Do not allow anyone 
that you don't know or do not trust to be part of your um, entrepreneurship. And if you have any questions, reach out to me. You know, I have nothing but time on my hands to be able to help you research so that something that you want wholeheartedly and have a passion for, don't do it if you think this is going to be a quick flip or a money industry that you're going to make be rich overnight. You have another thing coming. It's going to take blood, sweat, and tears to be in this industry, first off. And you have to be working. It's 24 hours a day. You need to be there 27. And you are going to have people who steal from you. So just be prepared that it's going to be you every day, blood, sweat, and tears. And don't ever get into it to let someone else take over your own business. Is it worth it looking back, looking back at where you've come and what you've come through and what's ahead of you, knowing what you know now, um, would you still do it the same way? Would you say that it's tough and it's worth it? Or would you say you're too far in to get out? Um, like what is your sentiment about the industry or does it change day to day? Uh, oh, it's a hands down worth it. I mean, we almost across that bridge. So it's definitely worth it. Hands down. If it's something that you want to do, you can never go into a career if you don't have a passion for it. Now, if it's just something you want to do uh, for a quick assignment or a quick flip, then hey, by all means, but it's worth every... If I had to do it all over, I would do a lot of stuff differently. But yes, hands down, I would definitely do it over. I would too. People ask me that. I was asked that once on an interview and they were like... Um, they were like, is it worth it? Like you're making it seem so grim. And I was just like, would I be sitting here talking to you if it wasn't worth it? Hell yeah, it's worth right. it. <laughs> yeah. All Hell day. yeah, it's worth All it. All day. All day. So I I have to a hundred percent I would a hundred percent agree. It's tough, but mm-hmm. you know, it's it's worth every bit of it because I get to be I get to be a part of history and I also get to be um, you know creating the way that I want to live and, and what kind of change that I right. want. Like it's and your own boss. Your own boss. Like, think about it. Do you want to work for somebody else passionately or do you want to work for yourself passionately? Either way, you're going to work. You know what I mean? So it's like, yeah. what do you want to do? So I tell anybody out there, if you don't love your job, the way you know you love it is if you can actually say you would do that for free. Now, if you say, if you had to go to work every day for free, you wouldn't do it, then that's not the job for you. I can honestly say I can come in every, I did it <laughs> every day for free because it was a passion behind it and the love of it. Have I lost my drive? No. How did I lose respect for a lot of people in this industry? Hell yeah. Yes, I did. But that just makes me feel my fire even more. So makes perfect sense makes perfect sense um well listen i'm so excited to again have you on here i have a feeling that you're going to be a regular content contributor to all of our different platforms and sharing your knowledge and your expertise your experience showcasing your products and your business um continuing to follow the story so for folks who are interested in finding where you are what you're doing and and what you're up to where can they find you they can find, oh, you can go to my website, which is royalhighnessmj.com. You also can follow us on Instagram, which is royalhighnessmj. Um, my page is queen by nature, king by DNA. And we're located in the Palm Desert. I'm here Monday through Friday. That is so dope. Wait, how did you come up with the royal highness? I have to know. My last name is King. So I thought you were going to tell me some gangster story about how they started to call you your royal highness after snatching somebody's <laughs> wig or something. No, 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 no. So me and my sister are handle on Instagram 
Hers is Queen King Kong. What's your name? Her name her name is King Queen Kong. My other sister is Wolf Toys. King Queen Kong too. So all of our and then mine was Queen by Nature, King by DNA. So my other business partner, she was like, Wait, you guys love to use your last name in royalty. So she was like, you know, like Royal Highness, like Royal Highness, you know, like you guys are royal and then as a play like on highness. So then it, it took a couple of runs with it. And I'm like, okay, that actually is dope. So then that's how we came up with it. Oh my God. It's so dope. I love it. I created this brand, which I haven't developed yet called <clears throat> Royalty CBD. Uh-huh. And, and I like I, the name Royalty too. Uh-huh. And yeah, I'm about that royalty life. It's like, it's, <laughs> it's so sexy. Who doesn't want to be a queen? I'm I'm just saying, I love it. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm, I'm so grateful and, and super honored to be able to share and tell your story. As I mentioned, I think you're going to be a regular content contributor. I just think what you're doing is super powerful and your mentality um, is, is probably one of the biggest assets that you have um, around the ability to build and grow a business, like having that iron clad mindset and knowing that what you do has to make a difference and how you do it has to be different than what anybody else is doing. So I just, I want to be the first, uh, first of many to congratulate you on what you've already accomplished and then extend myself as an asset to you to be able to continue to help you grow however I can. Exactly. You And first off, all I ask for you in return is you visit our location gotta come here <laughs> i'm coming girl i'm stuff. ready <laughs> okay i am ready we need what we need to do is get us some of this um some of this royal highness cannabis and take it over to we care spa which is like this incredible detoxifying spa over in palm desert and i, I do know. not you have got to link up with them, girl. It is the bomb spot for like green juice and colonics and massages and, you know, no, definitely. kiwi seeds. And it's like crazy. It's so amazing. No, definitely. I definitely want to do that. I definitely need to go. Like I love spots. So I'm down. I need that colonic life. <laughs> yeah, I'm about, I'm about that flush. <laughs> I need a cleansing, cleansing, you know, cleanse my energy and stuff. You know, if it I'm is the new year. Energy. We need a cleansing, a revival. Somebody bless Yes, that's please. what's next too. That's what I'm cleansed. And then we're going to do the Royal Highness brand. So I am um, partnering with some good uh, cultivators right now to get some flower here. So we'll have our own line of Royal Highness uh, strains, cartridges, CBDs. Oh my gosh. I Okay. More conversation to happen offline. Guys, this is where we leave you because us ladies have to go <laughs> over here and propagate on our ideas. Um, and I got to make some yes. hookups for my girl over here. So for those of you who are listening, I want to just thank you ahead of time for liking and sharing and tagging five people that you know this interview is going to make a difference for. There is many different landscapes of the cannabis and hemp movement, and there are only a few incredible women who are changing the way that we think about and talk about about cannabis inside of our families and our communities. So I invite you to continue to help us push the needle of global legalization and safe access for patients like myself and like you. Um, you when you like and share this content, you are helping us create the change that we want to see in the world. Because you've liked and shared content like this, we've been able to impact hundreds of millions of people around the world with this content. And we are continuing our mission to support you with the truth about cannabis and hemp so that you can make educated decisions 
decisions about how you want to care for yourself, the people that you love, conditions you may be suffering from, or otherwise care for this beautiful gift of life. Check us out at medicalsecrets.com if you're looking for our favorite picks and products. And check us out at theemeraldcircle.com for the real tips and tricks that can help you transform the way that you think about and do business in the cannabis and hemp era. I'm your hostess with the most of Sonia Gomez, and this is The Hemp Revolution. We'll see you on our next show, guys. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode. We took notes on this episode for you, along with all the links and resources mentioned in the episode. Get them free on the show notes page here at www.medicalsecrets.com. If you love this show and our content, please subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you really want to help us get the message out there, please rate, review, and tell all your friends. With your help, we can continue to reach the world with our message. And until next time, we hope you join the hemp revolution. And we challenge you to dream big and love the life you live.